International Orienteering Podcast Mapping Compass Navigation Skill Orienteering Competition like International Orienteering Podcast National Orienteering Podcast welcomes you again to some uh, orienteering talk and some news in this uh, winter month. Um, here I live in Norway and there are some snow. How is it in uh, Switzerland, Ivo? Yeah, it's uh, a little bit of snow, but not much. So today I was out putting out controls, uh, but and it was only like, yeah, one, one and a half centimeters of snow. So it's no big issue down here. It's a nice condition for orienteering. Yeah, it's uh, easy for for a guy like you when you can use your uh, calf muscles and uh, when it's not too much snow. Uh, but uh, from snow to... Uh, some news from uh, Sweden. Uh, there is uh, uh, some news there about uh, Sweden applying for uh, some more big events. Uh, they have uh, already uh, got uh, the junior world champs and uh, world cha- uh, world uh, cup races, but uh, nobody have applied for uh, world orienteering champs in 2029. Yeah, and I think that's no surprise to anyone uh, because yeah Sweden had applied also for 2027 but then they lost out to Hungary so I think for 2029 they should be the biggest big favorites uh, to get it uh, then it would be 13 years since uh, the world champs in in Strömstad. Um so that's a yeah I think that's a decent amount of time between if you look back in time uh, Sweden had in 89 uh, in 2004 that was 15 years then 2016, so 12 years, and then now 13 years. So it's, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's good that the, the big nations are organizing the world champs regularly. And Sweden definitely is maybe the biggest country in orienteering. So they should also, um, yeah, they should organize every 12, 15 years. Uh, so it's uh, it's good to see. Uh, I think uh, the terrain in Örnsköldsvik is, yeah. It's pretty nice. Uh, I know that most Swedes they they really love the terrain up on this uh, east coast, uh, far north on the east coast. And yeah, I think it's of course we have a lot of better terrains in Norway, but uh, for being Sweden, it's really good terrain. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, then uh, they uh, have already got uh, World Cup races uh, in Idrefjall in 2025 and uh, Juno World Champs in uh, Blekinge and. Uh, Karls Krona in 2026. Uh, uh, yeah, and we can also mention veteran world champs or world masters in 2027 in uh, Leksand. Yeah, so Leksand, that's uh, in Dalarna. Uh, Leksand's Rättvik, I think. I don't know exactly how far it is from cities like Falun, Borlänge, but it's not that far away. Uh, I think they have also some, some nice forests there, so maybe world masters in 27 that's that could be a target for me uh yeah <laughs> yeah it's too too early with uh turku or obo this year but uh, then uh, you can aim for uh, 2027 um well, one who has not yet started to uh, look for world masters is uh sarah Hogström. she won the european champs uh Sprint distance uh, last autumn, and she uh, is nominated for World Games Athlete of the Year, when the, where the voting period is uh, during uh, whole January, as far as I know. 
Yeah, uh, this World Games Athlete of the Year, it's for sports that are a part of World Games, uh, so not the non-Olympic sports, and of course, orienteering is a part of there. Uh, and I think it's it's been a lot of orienteers being nominated earlier. I think both uh, Matthias Kibus and Simon Ebersol was nominated last year. I think Matthias Kibus have won this in the in the past. Um, so yeah, uh, it's... I think it's uh, in this company or in theory should always uh, have some nominees. Um, from nominees to uh, action in uh, Tiumila, or not action, but uh, this uh, last week, uh, the bulletin tree or the invitation for uh, Tiumila was uh, released. And uh, there we got some, uh, some uh, time schedules uh, for the relays and, uh, and, uh, what uh, finishing times uh, who is interesting to look at i think yeah and it seems uh, yeah it seems to be estimated quite fast times in the men's relay especially uh, so maybe that's a sign that the, yeah, it's not enough that the courses are much shorter than normal uh, it seems like they will be a bit faster than it was last time in 2018 in the same terrain uh, so maybe a little bit less rough uh, not so much on these the up and down on the big hills, um, but yeah, these time schedules are always, yeah, they are not always telling the true story of what will will come, and we will have to see in the first weekend of May how it really turns out. Uh, but yeah, no big, uh, no big surprises from the time schedules. I think uh, course lengths have some some small changes, but basically the same uh, in the men's relay. It's still seven legs that are below eight kilometers uh, so it is it is short uh, even if it's i think the total length may went up one and a half kilometer or something like that uh, from bulletin two to bulletin three uh, but no no big changes here um from uh, what uh, will come in the spring to what has been uh, this uh, weekend we talked the uh, last uh, episode about the uh, first uh, world rank uh, event in europe this uh, year and then that was uh, on an island uh, in uh, Portugal. Yeah, uh, so we talked about Madeira. Uh, I think it was in the beginning of December. There were some races. And now it was the time for this the big event at uh, Madeira every year, the Madeira Orienteering Festival. And it was the first time this year that uh, there was a world ranking event within uh, the Madeira U Festival. Um, and yeah, uh, some some good runners were here. Uh, but I think the the most interesting part about this weekend was uh, was the stress uh, with the weather. Um, it was a lot of rain and wind in the part of the island where where the or- events were organized. Um, so, for example, on Saturday, uh, where it was supposed to be a middle distance, they couldn't use that terrain. Uh, and yeah, like typical Portuguese style. When when something is is wrong, you work all night to get it done. Uh, so they completely rescheduled the second race from a mountain or a proper forest race to some urban middle distance replacement. Where yeah, the maps were printed in the morning, the courses were made overnight, and so on. Uh, so then we got we got three races here, uh, even if it was some issues with the weather. Um, it started with a night forest print uh, on Friday evening uh, around a, a golf course. So not, not the most tricky orienteering, but I mean, very fast running. Um, and in the dark, you have to be precise with the compass. 
Um, so here on the on the men's side, where yeah, on the men's side there was a couple of well-known names in top of the result list. On the women's side, it's uh, yeah, it's not the same star factor. So on the on the night sprint among the men, we saw the British veteran Graham Gristwood, uh, former relay world champion. Um, he took the win half a minute ahead of Esa Hutonen, uh, the very experienced yeah, night specialist from Turin Messinkevia. And then with uh, with an, a, a guy I don't know that much about, Jan Pavlovich, Pavlovic, I think it's a Czech guy. And then the young Latvian guy, Fritschi Spectors, uh, also him too, Rumetzenkevi was in third, fourth place. So here we see some some good names. Um, on the on the women's side, Laura Berke, one ahead of Alexandra Matsan. Um, not not very familiar names for me uh, so but i guess so probably some of our listeners know who these people are uh, and then in third place we had the experienced latvian former world championship runner and so on ayas kastina uh, so here we saw yeah some some very experienced names and that was also the trend the whole the whole week yeah it was uh, quite uh, big margins there in the women's class and a bit uh, tighter in the men's uh, there at the uh, Forest Night Sprint. Yeah, but that change on the on the, the urban middle distance that was the, the replacement stage. Uh, so instead of going in yeah in a nice forest a bit higher up, they organized this on the same map as there was the sprint race six weeks ago, five weeks ago before Christmas when we talked about Madeira last time. Uh, then we saw Francesco Mariani, the former junior world champion, winning there. Um, but yeah, this time on the men's side, uh, Fiji Spectors, the, the Latvian guy, he won with more than half a minute ahead of Luis Silva, the Portuguese guy, and with Esa Houten in third place. On the women's side, it was very close, only six seconds between uh, Andrena Brandi, Italian runner, with uh, Laura Berke in, in second place, and Ayas Kastina with the third, second, third place in two days. Yeah, really tight there, um, but. Uh... Yeah, only a couple of 20 minutes running for the men. But uh, the women had uh, more than uh, half an hour running. So, uh, but And then they finished off with a uh, short, not long distance. Yep, and that's, uh, that's, the, that's the world ranking event. So um, the other two, of course, big races in the setting. of yeah, The biggest race on Madeira. Uh, but the world ranking event was the long distance, so you can say that's the main event of the of the weekend. Uh, they were able to use the terrain that was meant to be, uh, which was a completely new map, uh, very open, uh, but still quite uh, tricky orienteering with uh, with a lot of contours, and also it was because of all the rain, it was very slippy and and slow running, so it was not a fast race. Um, on the women's side, Ayas Krastina won with over 10 minutes out of Dana Honsakova. Uh, on the men's side, it was also a clear victory, but not as clear. But Graham Gristwood, uh, he won with more than three minutes out of Richie Spectors, uh, with Esa Houten in third place, four and a half minutes down. So, yeah. Uh, very, very good performances by Graham Gristwood. Uh, the last time I saw him, he was running the, the World Cup in um, in Switzerland, in Davos, 2022, and that was a part of a comeback. I think he, yeah, more or less retired after the the World Champs in Norway, uh, which also was a form of a comeback after many years with injuries. So it's it's a long time since he was uh, a name we saw regularly at the result list. Uh, so it's good to see that he's back back running at least. 
Yeah, and uh, he, uh, as, as far as we know, he will uh, now have a training camp at uh, Madeira for uh, a couple of weeks. Yeah, so maybe he's uh, aiming for uh, for another comeback. Uh, I think uh, yeah, the European Championship could be uh, a target for him. Uh, he's, of course, he's organized in Hungary and he has a Hungarian wife. So that could be something that motivates him. Yeah, and uh, he's also running for a Finnish club. Uh, maybe uh, he can also uh, aiming for uh, world champs in Finland in uh, uh, one and a half year. Um, and it's interesting, uh, but it's uh, quite long uh, since he was uh, winning uh, the world champs in a relay. So starting to getting old, but uh, not as old as uh, Daniel Hubman or Esten uh, Kvalestabø. No, I think he's one year younger than Daniel Hubman, so he's turning 40 this season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in orienteering, if you, yeah, being old is not uh, a hinder. We've seen that for so many, from so many runners. So if you're if you're able to train and if you're motivated and you have experience in good orienteering technique, I mean, uh, I think the spot to the, the the road to a spot in the British national team for a forest race. For example, in European Championship in Hungary or in World Championship Finland, uh, it's not that long. Uh, of course, Ralph Street is really good, but behind him there is, yeah, there is the, the Brits are lacking some depth. And I mean, Graham Griswold could definitely, if he's able to train, which it sounds like when he's going two three weeks to training camp in Madeira, uh, he should he could be a, a guy to watch out for. And I think if if he's anywhere near his old level, he would be a a very very strong runner in the British relay team for for European Championship or World Championship in next year in next years. Yeah, and our re- reports from Madeira tells us that he got some media training also during this weekend because uh, the TV uh, the local TV was present there and uh, had an interview with uh, Graham and uh, Luis uh, um, this uh, after the long distance. Then I think. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, it's not a lot of things that is happening on these islands, you know, in the winter. So uh, when there is some, yeah, some kind of big event, uh, it's uh, it's probably good possibility to get some media coverage. And yeah, I think uh, I haven't I haven't seen the rep- I haven't seen the interviews, but uh, you should be able to find it on Domingo Desportivo Episodio Two. Uh, so if you we have some some good. Google uh, abilities, uh, our listeners should be able to find that into you. Uh, and we should also mention uh, about uh, Madeira or Interim Festival uh, next year. It's uh, yeah, just one year after this year, from 10th to 12th of January in 2025. Yeah, and I think uh, that's something a lot of orienteers should be interested in, uh, elite orienteers. We know that Nowadays, yeah, the last two, three years, it's been very, very popular to go to Tenerife. Uh, a lot of national teams are going there. Uh, groups of runners are going there. And it's, yeah, of course, it's generally good weather in January for training. Uh, it's more and more orienteering maps there. But it's also kind of the same in Madeira. More and more maps uh, of high quality. Uh, and yeah, it was raining a lot this weekend. Uh, but normally, it's quite good weather in Madeira. It's quite warm. Uh, so I think uh, I think uh, I think we will see more and more good runners going to to places like Madeira during the winter in the future. 
Yeah, and uh, when you are orienteer, you need to have uh, uh, different maps, and yeah, you can change your uh, training destinations. So that then it's always good to have more opportunities. Um, one guy who has uh, had a lot of opportunities both to train and uh, compete during the years is the guy who we have, have as a guest this week, uh, uh, Daniel Hubman. He is a familiar guy. Uh, what would you tell about him, Ivo? Oh, there is uh, where to start. I mean, I think what's make him unique is that he has been on the top of the game for so, so many years. Uh, was it in 2005 he won his first medal? Yeah, that's right. His debut was in Sweden in 2004. Yeah, and then he won his first medal in 2005 and then he won again a medal in 2023. So that's 18 years. Uh, and during these 18 years, there's been periods where he's been the best in the world. I mean, winning six overall World Cups, winning a lot of world champs, individual gold medals. Uh, winning in all disciplines, long distance sprint all and middle distance and also in the relays. Um, so he's been a very, very complete orienteer and unique in the way that he's been able to stay at such a high level for so many years. Uh, it's quite impressive that he's still competitive in uh, so, so uh, old uh, because of uh, he can still be healthy uh, without injuries. That's uh, also impressive. Yep, and it will be interesting to hear what he says about his yeah his motivation and what keep what's keeping going for so many years. And I mean now he's he turned forty this year, uh, but still he was yeah number six at the World Champs long distance. He won the the relay with the Swiss team, so he's extremely competitive. It's only one and a half years since he won the last World Cup race in in Davos, uh, and yeah he still seemed very eager and very motivated for for the next season. Yeah, we just listened to what he had said say to us. Even National Orienteering Podcast has uh, this time uh, reached uh, to Switzerland with uh, one of the guys who uh, many will call the goat in orienteering, greatest of all time. Uh, I don't know if you will call yourself that, uh, Daniel, but uh, anyhow, you have uh, been along for uh, lots of years and winning a uh, lots of medals. Uh, how is it when we have just turned into 2024? Um, yes, I'm uh, excited to start a new season. I wasn't uh, sure, yeah, last year, the last years that uh, if I still should compete. Yeah, continue. But then after World Champs in Switzerland, I I realized it's still so much fun and I'm still competitive. And yeah, there were many reasons uh, to continue. And now I'm preparing myself for another uh, season and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, what uh, when you're doing such evaluation, which aspects are you putting into that? Uh, can you set us into that? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I think the first point is if I still enjoy it, and I really do. And then there are many other points like uh, uh, health issues, also if the body is cooperating, if 
my sponsors are supporting me, if the results are good and if the family supports this idea to still be an athlete. And yeah, actually it was quite clear that it would be bad if I stop. Yeah, I understand. And and then do you really, do you really, uh, uh, was it a, f- a fact that you were unsure after the World Champs? Yeah, not, yeah, of course I was, yeah, I was sitting down and thinking about it. Yeah, putting all those points on the table and they make, made the proper evaluation. But then when I, yeah, then it was quite clear that it's so many points with, Uh, were supporting the the plan to comp- continue. And uh, how 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 is the agreement in the marriage with uh, Anatta? Is it one more year, and uh, or do you have five uh, years in the, in the agreement? <laughs> I don't have any agreements. I just take uh, year by year. But uh, yeah, as I said, also my family is supporting me. I mean, the fact is, if I would stop as a, an athlete, I would, yeah, most probably get another job, and uh, yeah, then I'm maybe not uh, that flexible as I'm now. Of course, I now I have some training camps and competitions, but in between, I think I'm really flexible, and I have a lot of time I can spend at home. Uh, of course, I go training every day, but that's done in two, three hours per day. So that's quite a nice job, I would say, to combine with uh, family. Of course, there are tough times uh, when when I'm away and then at home it's it's busy to yeah to organize everything. Yeah, and you uh, you're telling it's a nice uh, life, and uh, yeah, what is the nicest highlights? Uh... When you look at the at the season 2024, um, yeah, there are a few really nice uh, highlights. Of course, uh, it's the big races which uh, mot- yeah give me the motivation to train. But there are also other highlights. So, yeah, it can be just a camp I'm looking forward. Like in February we go to Italy that will be my first camp and I'm looking really forward to it to travel uh, with the team for one week and do some nice trainings and then of course the yeah, international seasons with world champs and European champs and world cups I'm yeah, excited for those races <clears throat> uh, how, how do you look at the uh... At the World uh, Champs, uh, it's a sprint World Champ. Uh, we know that you have uh, won uh, lots of sprints, uh, both uh, gold medals and other other medals uh, earlier on. But uh, you uh, missed out on the qualifier in the Europeans uh, last autumn. Yes, yeah, yeah. In sprint, my best uh, results are already a few years back. So yeah. I mean, to qualify myself for world champs in sprint uh, will be already a, a big challenge. As I, as you said, in Italy, I was not successful at all. So, yeah, I'm not sure if I will be in Scotland running uh, this uh, sprint world champs. But <clears throat> I decided to, to give it a try and to, yeah, work work uh, hard on my speed to be better prepared than last autumn uh, have you uh, yeah what are you, uh, 
exactly doing then when you're telling us uh, working on the speed uh, have you started the uh, short intervals or uh, uh, trekking field training or what what are the issues putting in yeah of course i have to work on my speed and to high quality interval sessions that was a bit yeah, of course i did it also last year but then after there, there was a big focus on world champs on home ground and then after that, I was a bit, yeah, maybe a bit lazy or a bit, uh, yeah, not as professional as I could have been preparing for uh, European champs. So I, I hope I can do a better preparation. And one, yeah, one thing I'm thinking about to try is to do, yeah, short, shorter intervals with higher speed, to, yeah, to give a new input or no yeah to i mean my body has done uh, many years of training and often i did yeah just the same training year after year and now when i realize i'm getting of course when you're um, in my age it's kind of natural that you yeah get a bit slower but uh, i now i realized if i change something i maybe can yeah, can give a new impact on my body and hopefully I can still uh, reach a, a decent sprint orienteering shape. And then I presume the sprint uh, World Cups uh, in the spring is quite important uh, on the road uh, to get some feedback there. There. Yeah, yeah, of course, it, those races are really important. For, yeah, especially for us Swiss guys, it's uh, selection races for world champs. So if you are not at uh, World Cup races, you are out in the game for world champs. Yeah, and, uh, and we know that it's really, really tough to get in the Swiss team in a sprint uh, discipline, even though uh, there are some uh, uh, extra spots with... Uh, uh, personal place for some runners there, but uh, is it uh, 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 really, um, yeah, uh, do you still have the motivation? We should not talk about if you're not going to the world uh, champs, but uh, how you look at the Europeans, there, there is the forest races uh, <coughs> in Hungary, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, of course, uh, forest orienteering is, yeah, kind of. Yeah, a bit more important nowadays for me because the chances for good results are better there. I was also thinking if I should just focus on forest orienteering this season and yeah, let's say yeah, just yeah, don't even try for world champs in sprint. But then I decided I still try and because I hope I can also benefit. Uh, for the forest races, if I focus on yeah, speed, if I work on my speed, and if I run the sprint season in the yeah in the spring, that's a, a good motivation to work on my on my speed. Yeah, and uh, how how is uh, Hungary uh, the terrain uh, suiting you? Uh, we know you have uh, one. Uh... World champs medal there before, uh, fifteen years ago uh, or so. Yeah, I actually I haven't been in the area where the European champs are held. I just saw some maps and some pictures, but I think it 
it suits me well. It looks, uh, yeah, steep and tough, uh, kind of similar to some terrains we have in Switzerland. And I think it's something which suits me suits me well. And uh, and uh, you're talking about forest, or maybe better for you nowadays. Uh, are you already looking forward to? Next Forest World Champs um, in uh, Finland, 25. Um, of course, I already had some thoughts about it, but I ha- haven't um, yeah, made a plan or I, I didn't decide that I will continue until Finland. I just take year after year and I will make a, a evaluation all again uh, after this season. Maybe it will be just a really short uh, analyze because i realize it's yeah kind of uh, like yeah that i will continue that's quite sure but i don't know yet so i will yeah just take year after year yeah and um, uh, we know that this uh, not only a international season with the national team uh, you are um, getting a quite good uh, club uh, in uh, Switzerland, also in the big relays, um, Will Nordska. Yes. <coughs> How are the ambitious there in the Umila and Jukola? Yeah, I think we have a, a good team and we try to be competitive and to improve our best results. Uh, last year we have been top 10 in Jukola and yeah, we hope we can even improve those results we had the last year and that's also yeah, a motivation especially in spring <coughs> in the spring season when there are not no other important forest races so those relays are important <coughs> and do you uh, do you dare uh, you have won uh, all uh, this uh, thing we are talking about now about uh, Tiumila and Jukola but it's still motivating for you to go um, uh, to uh, Sweden and Finland to uh, race there. Um, yes, it's still motivating. Of course, when you are in a like in one of the favorite teams and you can start in the lead, it's it's maybe a bit more exciting than when you start um, for a top ten position. But still, with the team spirit, it's always a nice experience and. That also motivates me. Uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> this, uh, then uh, then there is um, a big uh, candy box of uh, motivation. Uh, is it the world champs or uh, in the total who motivates you this uh, season? Um, total? You mean total? Uh, yeah, the, the whole. Uh, I mean the. Yeah, that it's many, uh, many uh, races and things that uh, you can go to and, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> are eager to uh, perform good. Uh, yes, I I always like uh, to compete and there are, um, yeah, beside those races we have been talking now, there are some nice uh, races in Switzerland and also in autumn, the World Cup in Finland looks, looks cool and... Uh, that's uh, the nice thing about orienteering. You get to new places and uh, it still feels, yeah, motivating for me, even though I've done it uh, already many years. 
uh, how is it this winter then? Uh, are you going for uh, some camps with uh, uh, with uh, the club or uh, national team? What is the first or uh, do you do any long uh, training camps now in the winter? Uh, no, I don't do any long camps. I mostly spend uh, time at home. My first camp will be in yeah, in February, end of February, when we go to Italy with the national team. But uh, otherwise, I enjoy uh, training at home. It's also yeah. One reason is also to be in good balance with family life during the season. I have uh, already many weekends. I'm away, so I try to be uh, more at home during winter time. Yeah, so uh, so there will uh, only be uh, a camp with the national team in Italy, and, uh, and maybe you will also go to uh, to a Scotland camp, or is is that not planned yet? Um, yes, it's planned. Also, with the national team in end of March, we have a camp there. So I do, yeah, all the I do all the camps offered by the national team. That's yeah, more or less yeah every month or every second month there is a camp like this uh, but uh, back again to that you will continue uh, uh, when I turned 40 years old I, I felt a bit old uh, I, I should not say that you look you neither look or feeling old but uh, uh, for us our lack of motivation how, how do you get the motivation year after year <clears throat> yeah, of course, my uh, motivation is probably not the same again as it was with 20 or 25. Back then I was yeah, doing everything for orienteering or to, to get better. That was my only or like main priority. Nowadays it has changed a bit. Uh, it's more like, uh, yeah, there are with family, there are different... Um, important things in my life and I will I'm not as yeah consequent as I was back then I have to do some compromises to yeah to have the whole uh, life in balance but I I still think it's uh, possible to train well and to prepare myself that yeah for a good season that I'm on a good level but yeah, and as I said, it's also, it's not only the races, it's kind of my job. I have some sponsors, they support me. I have to, I mean, the privileged uh, situation that I earn some money uh, by doing orienteering. And that's, that's of course, also, a, yeah, a important point to be motivated. And um, uh, you, you have no... Um... Uh, you are the oldest gold medalist in the world champs, but uh, we saw last year that uh, Marianne Anderson, she got a medal uh, at the age of <laughs> forty-three. Will we see you also at uh, that age in the international scene? I'm I'm not sure, well, but you never know. <laughs> but I can't uh, say much more to it. I because I don't even know it myself. Um. But uh, what do you know, uh, which goal you are setting? Um, uh, would you need some international medals also this year to be satisfied? 
uh, yeah, of course, that's the the goal is to yeah to win a medal. I think at European champs, maybe even in the individual race or f- for sure in the relay. If I get uh, selected for the relay team, I have yeah there is chance for a medal, and that's always <clears throat> a, yeah a target I'm trying to to reach. But uh, I'm I'm have to be also realistic. I'm not in the same yeah situation as I was some some years ago when I was uh, hunting podest places or victories in every race. Uh, I'm I have to be happy if I get some uh, good results. Uh, but uh, we know um, from the last Forest European Champs uh, there was. Um... Uh, some illness in your team and uh, you have a potential to do better than that uh, at least yeah that will yeah hopefully i manage to to get some better results but that's uh yeah not that's quite easy actually if i stay uh, healthy and uh that should be makeable and uh, you're talking about the real team we have seen <clears> that uh, the second team of switzerland also collecting medals in the europeans relay so so uh, I don't think, uh, yeah, there are possibilities there. Yes, that's that's true. It's uh, also the second team. You have uh, still uh, have some chances for for a medal. But uh, <coughs> uh, this will be really exciting to uh, to follow you also this year, and uh, and then uh, if you will also be the oldest ever world champs medalist we will see in some years uh, thanks a lot for having time uh, to talk with us uh, in the prep uh, daniel okay yeah thank you bye bye the last part to go that was uh, daniel hubman uh, about his uh, uh, career and uh, what he thinks about this year and uh, and the year uh, in front of us uh, uh, any notes from your side here, uh, Ivo? Well, I think, uh, of course, Daniel Hubman is inspirational in many ways. Uh, but I, th- I think one of the most impressive things with him is that, uh, yeah, even if he's not as good as he used to be, I mean, a few years ago, he used to win races. And now he's very happy with being competitive. And he says that he wants to be competitive next year as well and i think it's uh, that's inspirational that yeah i think we have seen over the years a lot of great champions they've been winning and then when they stop winning it's not as fun anymore and they 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 tend to stop not only in orienteering but in in many sports uh, so i think it's very inspirational that you have these guys that uh, yeah not as good as they were but still at a very very high level and they find joy in the sport and that's what this bringing them forward the joy of the sport and the joy of the life that uh, being a top athlete brings uh, and not only the results uh, but uh, I think also uh, yeah he, he, he just enjoys to be an orienteer and as far as he is injury free and healthy uh, that's uh, nothing better he can do yeah and then of course he's in a situation where he's able to do it uh of course, as he said, he has a he has a lot of sponsors. I mean, there have been a lot of jokes over the years about how big jacket he need because he need to fit all his sponsors on it. Uh, 
so even if you know if, if he's a small guy uh, he needs to have an extra large jacket to fit all the sponsors uh, so i mean he's obviously he's able to to live from orienteering uh, and yeah if you if you if you really enjoy it and you can live from it and it's it fits with the family and now of course the kids are getting a bit older uh, they go to school uh, and so on so yeah i think it's great that the yeah, that you can continue with the sport because you love the life and not only because you love the results. Uh, but many, uh, oh, there are some calling him the goat of orienteering. And I think that's because of he's still uh, competitive and uh, that he has, uh, he has uh, got so many medals. Uh, he has not the most gold medals, but if you count his uh, world champs medals, I don't, I don't think there are any men orienteer that has more uh, world champs medals than, than him in total no and then it's so impressive with the uh, yeah every year he posted at the end of the season he posts this excel diagram with all his international results and he has so so many top tens i mean basically you can count the, the race he's been running almost 200 races or something like that internationally world cup and championships and it's very very few races where he's been outside the top 10 uh, extremely few so and that's really impressive that he's able always able to uh, to deliver at the high level solid high level uh, during all important competitions um, no matter if his preparations have been really good or if it's been suboptimal if he had some injury problems he's still when it's a big competition he's there and performing but uh, I think it was an eye-opener for him, uh, this European champs. He said it was a bit, uh, um, maybe not lazy, but not so uh, uh, serious into the sprint champs, uh, the Europeans. And uh, and now he's uh, taking uh, aware of that and doing more, uh, more fast training to be competitive in the world champs uh, uh, this uh, summer. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's needed if he wants to be at the start line in um in uh, in Switzerland, in Scotland next summer or the coming summer at the world championship we, of course it helps that uh, Matthias Kubus have have personal spots so then Switzerland get four for the individual sprint i think uh, Daniel has no chance of qualifying for the uh, for the sprint relay team or for the the knockout sprint which are more physical uh, disciplines uh, but for the individual sprint I think he should be able to, with a good, good winter, good spring, uh, he should be able to be among the four, four best Swiss runners in an individual sprint. Even if the European Championship was a fiasco, uh, I think he still got a very high level in sprint, and a lot of that is down to his very, very solid sprint technique, um, which have been winning him a lot of sprint medals over the years. I think he's never been the fastest runner on the hard surface, but he's been always been able to run with a run very effective sprint orienteering with a good flow and not losing too much time in the navigation and i think that the, the terrain in, in scotland the, the courses in edinburgh there should should suit his style of orienteering uh, his style of sprint orienteering so I, I i will not say that he he can't be competitive i i don't think he can win the world championship this year um, but i wouldn't be surprised if he's in the top six of the individual sprint um, but from sports uh, with Hubman to something else, have you heard about uh, the history when he was at the Russian border? 
<laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's it's a bit uh, long time ago, so I don't know all the details. But I wonder if he's still banned from Russia. Uh, he was there after the World Cup in Imato, and then he ran uh, an uh, easy run uh, the day after the World Cup, and he posted uh, on his Facebook, uh, "Me at the Russian border." And then uh, it was uh, Yukolad in the weekend. And then he got an email from the authorities that uh, you are not allowed to go so close to the Russian border. So, uh, and uh, you have got a fee of, uh, I don't remember how much. But but, uh, then he just thought, uh, oh, I'm just going to Switzerland without paying this fee. uh, And I will not be in, in Finland anymore. And then uh, next uh, year at Jukola, uh, he was uh, he was uh, he was told uh, with an email. We know you are an orienteer, and when you come to Jukola to run there, uh, you had to go come and pay your fee from last year. <laughs> and then uh, I was uh, I, I know that he he had uh, this uh, this uh, I was going with him in the rental car. And I asked him, how, how was it? Did you have to pay the fee when you came to Finland? And then he said, yeah, it was uh, uh, two uh, policemen with a gun uh, in a belt uh, who took me into a room uh, uh, when I came to the airport. And uh, then I had to pay the fee. And uh, then it was Jukola. And then uh, uh, he ran the last leg with uh, Christian Sun, uh, uh, winning Jukola that year. And then he posted a new post on Facebook and he posted uh, from police office to Yukola victory. And then he had the pictures of both of them at Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think, but I think that's a part of uh, what's keeping him young uh, is that he has a lot of energy to do a lot of stuff like this. Uh, and he he knows how to keep himself entertained. So even if he's, even if he's 40, he's still like a teenager uh, with the, when it comes to energy and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's a lot of good stories. Uh, so hopefully we can get him on one more time, maybe after he's retired, where he can tell the, the, all the best stories from a long career. Yeah, he has a good lot of uh, stories about him. And uh, next uh, week, we will also be back with uh, some good stories from uh, orienteering. Yep. Uh, So see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Mannen drar ut och löper orientering med kart och kompass och med riktiga sko. Sikta sågar är det bästa notering för kroppen var lätt och god. I vår national orientering podcast Mapping compass, navigation skill Orienteering competition Jag har mött nog jävligt på På bostad och på Running like a motherfucker I vår national orienteering podcast